Greetings. Hello there. Hello there. And welcome back to... Purchase Ascendancy. Episode 38. Today, we're doing the Star Wars Scooby-Doo crossover. Guys! <laughs> oh, so funny the first time I told that joke. Uh, today, we're talking about Tusken Raiders, if you didn't already guess. Um, so there's a ton of material. Uh, Tuscans have actually some of the richest lore in Star Wars history, believe it or not. Mm. Uh, especially for background characters that really don't have any characters yeah. that you know stand out to yeah. the average fan. Very similar to the Jawas. We talked about how influential they were in the Star Wars story. When yeah. It's kind of like behind the scenes, and we were talking about what we talk about today, and I just I said... Tuscans, maybe, and I was like, "Well, we did have the Jawas episode. They're kind of the yin to the yang, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to be ha- uh, a lot to be had here. There's a lot to be appreciated, yeah. and uh, so we're going to get into that first. There's not really that much news going on, um, or well, there is a couple of cool things. One good news, hey, you know what? It's a blessing in disguise. So here's a really good news: um, Del Rey Star Wars, that is the uh, group that publishes Star Wars books, put out. 40 short snippet like previews to the 40 short stories that'll be in November's release of From a Certain Point of View mm. from The Empire Strikes Back 40 mm-hmm. Years. And um, there was one that stood out to me, one that stood out. And if you are a hardcore Star Wars fan, if you've been reading the comics, I'm 27, but I've gone back in time and read the comics from the 70s and the 80s and whatnot. But there's a character in those comics that has not had enough love. Yet, and they're about to shower this guy with love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so every if you haven't read uh, the book from a certain point of view, or if you haven't seen the graphics, uh, there's a very simple graphic at the at uh, what do you want to call that? Like cover art for every chapter. Uh, and so, for instance, Master and Apprentice could be a silhouette of Qui Gon Jinn, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Uh, if it was a Thrawn thing, it could be a, a silhouette of you know. You know, black silhouette with red eyes, or yeah. a, or the chimera, things like that. And so I was looking, and I'm like, okay, there's two one B skeleton astronauts gonna like that. I'm I'm scrolling through, honestly, looking for Boba Fett, and I was like, there he is. Um, there's one for Bosk and all those things. Mm-hmm. And there was one that I was like, what the crap is this? It's two pillars, and I was like, oh, is this the inverted bullcrap art where I have to look for the things that aren't there, and that's what the picture is? And I was like, what is this? I'll just read the description, mm-hmm. and. The character is like, hey, Lobot, you remember me? And Lobot's like, I'm sorry to say I have no recollection of you. And he's like, are you serious? And he's like, I am being completely serious. Because, of course, Lobot has been like, yeah. you know, got the freaking... Uh, they put a remote control in his head and took out his sense of humor. Yeah. And so he's like, it's me, Jackson. And I was like, what? So if you don't know who Jackson is, Jackson is a uh, Bugs Bunny tribute from the late 70s, early 80s Marvel Star Wars comics that is a yellowish, greenish, basically a rabbit. Officially, his fur color's green. Yeah. His, his fur color's, color's green. Pink. Yeah, and he has like a red jumpsuit on, kind of like what Bosk wears, but more reddish, orangish. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, in the comics, his ship is called the Rabbit's Foot. And uh, so Just in case be, you didn't know if he was a rabbit or he's not. He's going to be made canon, and that's what Star Wars is all about. You guys can keep the Mandalorian. Just I hasn't more, been this excited about a canonization since Thrawn, by the way. That's <laughs> that's very two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. This guy we really need. This guy I I really like. I want, but I'm very excited for that. Um, and so 
that's exciting news. Jackson's coming back to Star Wars canon on a bigger scale. He's been a little bitty things, but yeah. complete story about this. My boy Jackson. Yep. It's so cool because Jackson, when he was written in the late 70s, early 80s, was absolutely 100%. If you look it up, he was written as a tribute to Bugs Bunny, who's my favorite cartoon ever. And it's because whenever Bugs is like giving someone a hard time or he's arguing, he'll be like, I don't think so, Jackson. And so they just named the character Jackson. It's just... That's pretty funny. It's so shameless. Yeah. So anyways... Um, we got a review we're going to read, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the show. Uh, this is from a guy named Finn Clay. He's on Instagram as Finn Dormoon, a toy photographer, very cool guy, and super easy to talk to. And the title is one of the best Star Wars podcasts in the galaxy. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, it says, this podcast is so much fun to listen to, exclamation mark. I thought it'd be important to uh, make sure you guys knew that he was excited. It says, uh, the perfect blend of lore, news, speculation, humor, and passion creates the perfect storm of success. Hey, yo. We'll take it. Uh, it says, I love hearing about how Star Wars has molded our hosts, Joe and Samuel, as they have grown up together and how it continues to enrich their lives. This podcast feels like sitting on a couch and having a Star Wars conversation with good friends. 10 out of 10 recommend tuning in every week. Every week. Every week. That every being said... Week. Every like week. this video, subscribe to the channel, share this video if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, share it with your friends. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you give us a five-star rating and leave a written review. We read them every week, and we appreciate it. Every week that we get one, yeah. So we let's talk it. about those rurus. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tusken Raiders, also known as Sand People, uh, by racist bigots <laughs> on the deserts of Tatooine. Freaking. You know, if we're talking about Tatooine, everybody's a sand person. We're all homos. Homo sapiens. <laughs> yeah, if you live on Tatooine, you're, you're a, a sand person. You are a sand person. A sand woman. Man or sand would not care to answer. And not just the men, but the, the women, women. And, and the, the children, children too. too. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Every single one of them is a sand person. That's so funny. Man, Obi-Wan, that poor guy, he needed SPF 6,000. <laughs> he looked great and he got there. He looks and it was like, like a well-worn leather boot. He looks like a time-lapse video. What <laughs> <laughs> a guy. They're like, you ever put a plum outside for 20 years? Here's what it looks like. And he's like, hello. Both I know. He's me. <laughs> Still looks better than freaking, uh, oh, what's that guy's name from uh, Clone Wars? He's got like the roaches for pets. You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Saifu DS, but no, the other guy. The, the senator. The, the, the senator's aide. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the chancellor's aide. I forget his name. Man, I was like, just kill that guy. Ugh. Yeah. I kept having flashbacks to Joseph King of Dreams, and I was like, man, that's what could have happened to him. That's what could yeah. happen to my boy Joseph. Thank God Joseph had some some. Good roots. thing he had some rocks that he could put around a tree and 
care for it and give his life a little bit of meaning. Yeah, sing a great song. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting because the Tuscan Raiders are the first danger that you encounter ever in Star Wars for your main character, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, for Luke specifically. Yeah, I mean... Unless you count uh, when... The art, backhand yeah. from Uncle Owen <laughs> talking back about those power converters. <laughs> I was going to Tashi Station. <laughs> Shut up, Luke. Or when he fell backwards pulling off the restraining bolt from R2. <laughs> A little bit of danger. Hey, most people die in household accidents, all That's right? Like one that could have been the end. Yeah, he could have hit his head on something really hard, and then all of Star Wars was a hallucination, and he wakes up, and Uncle Owen's like, so about those moisture evaporators. <laughs> That's join the those, Academy next season, Luke. That's one of those, uh, the security cam gets you getting, like, really just hurting yourself on accident, and somebody puts it on YouTube. That almost happened to Luke. Yeah. Man, how gross. Remember he was looking at his sister, and he was like, she's so hot. Where's the rest of the video? What a sicko. What a pervert. Chico. What a Taylor Anderson. Oh. First and last name. It's our friend who doesn't watch the podcast. I'm just making fun of how much he loves women. What? We all do, right? We're all homos. Homo sapiens. <laughs> Dude, I can just see somebody that we know on Facebook being like, I'm a hetero sapien. <laughs> Also known as Taylor Anderson. We'll just go ahead and put that one out there. I'll come over to your house, but I'm not wearing a mask. <laughs> That's so good. That's so funny. Uh, oh, God. Okay. Anyway, we let's talk start. about Tuscans. Let's talk about some Murgador. So. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here. There's it's some hard. serious it's work difficult. to be done about these, <laughs> these Tuscans. Whew. Well, they're in. <laughs> I can't look at them. Uh, so they first appear in A New Hope, and so it's very cool. They have their place in the original trilogy, even though it's only in one movie of the of the three. They have a very important role, uh, and they endanger Luke, and he's out there looking for R2-D2, who has rebelliously left the Lars homestead trying to find his master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is crazy to his say. His primary. His primary, Yeah. And um, so he's uh, he's Luke's looking for them, and he comes across the Tuscans, and uh, you get a sense that they're very dangerous. They're very dangerous right off the bat, and so um, dangerous that Luke's like, "Look, Tuscans, let's get a closer look." <laughs> yeah, what if we drove up right up on them? Come on, C three PO, you wuss, grab my binox. <laughs> oh, there's Bantha's, all right, dude. Those bandas. Is it just he me acted or just... like it was a bear watching tour? Yeah, like yeah. they weren't. Let's get perfectly closer. able of acknowledging these guys are there. sentient and extremely violent and territorial. So they're in a new hope, and then um, you see them again, uh, not only in the Phantom Menace, but also more importantly and more dramatically in uh, Attack of the Clones, Episode Two. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because by nature Luke is so sheepish and so. Um, I would say he's kind-natured, and he's not really one to push the envelope on things. And then you have Anakin, whose first encounter with the Tuscans is slaughtering an entire village. Uh, for the right reasons. And so it's it's crazy because they're such a large part of the lore of Star Wars. And um, it's just, even as a casual Star Wars fan, uh, if you go to Tatooine, you expect to see Tusken Raiders. And there's such a unique culture because they're very primitive... Um, but they're very religious, actually. And the reason that they're so violent is because 
they are they believe that their their gods or the deities or whatever they serve um, has put them on Tatooine to rule the planet. And uh, the reason that they're particularly hard on moisture farmers is because moisture is a gift from the gods to them. And so when you have people that are harvesting that, it's very, um, you know, it's a, it's a very much a slap sacrilege. in the face. It's it's sacrilegious to them. And so that's why they attacked the Lars Homestead and they kidnapped Anakin's mom, uh, Shmi. She's out picking mushrooms or something. <laughs> yeah, she was. Yes, she was. She was picking moisture, uh, mushrooms off those moisture evaporators. I'm Klee Lars. Shmi is my wife. Let me show you how. A man can find a wife slave with the work of his hands. He's cool. <laughs> Let me show you how if I cut off my foot with the work of my hands. Dude, the Tuscans F that guy. Let's talk about accident prone. <laughs> what? Dagum Lars. Mm-hmm. I want to know what actually happened. Like, I want to know if that was an accident. Like, maybe he was pulling a restraining bolt off a droid and lost his legs. <laughs> no, I think that... Um... I think that the Tuscans attacked him. No, they, they did. But, but it's also did cool. they, though? It's also cool because Uncle Owen is young and he's there, you know? And Aunt Beru. Aunt Beru. Um, I don't know why we sound like Chris just now. Um, That's what Luke sounds like. But uh, it's also cool because they've... Star Wars is so interesting because you have characters that are just background, no-name characters. They're not really that important. Tuscans in the grand scheme of things after New Hope are not important. Except for that they serve a huge purpose in Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. And they've just been adhered to us over the years. Like, think about that. When the original Star Wars figures came out, they had all these characters. You know they did make a toy of in 1978 or whatever year the first one came out? They didn't make a Grand Moff Tarkin toy. There was no toy of Grand Moff Tarkin until the 90s. So the toy that I got as a kid growing up, that was the very first ever Grand Moff Tarkin toy. But you know who they made toys of? Tuscan Raiders. They're iconic, bro. I know. It's just it's hard to that's... separate one old white guy from that whole room of old white guys, but that Tuscan Raider, you know where he's from. No, that's what I'm saying yeah. is that it's Star Wars is the champion of this thing is not that important. We'll make it important. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, yeah. Jar Jar, the most unassuming, most, like, just a bumbler, just an idiot, you know, slapstick type of character. And then George Lucas, you know, Jar Jar's the key to all of this. Uh, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. Um, you got Boba Fett's that way. Darth Maul's that way. Characters that are are very much background, and they're pushed to the forefront. Boba Fett mostly just by the way he looks. Obviously, Darth Maul has a bigger role to play in The Phantom Menace, and right. of course, going back into Clone Wars and stuff. But one of the things that's so cool about Jawas and Tuscans and, you know, things like that, Ewoks, is that they... They take us away from the issues that we're going through on Earth. I think that's one of the reasons that Star Wars is so incredible is because um, you can go to Star Wars and you can watch somebody else deal with their problems at right. your leisure. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing is that it kind of forces you to think both on a smaller and a larger scale, right? Because you think about the things of how like even just states within America, how they interact and how yeah. varied it is. And then I try to think about establishing that between like entire planets you know what I mean? Yeah, Figuring out yeah. the logistics of that. It's yeah, it's very, very it's very crazy that the the culture, especially in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. it's like here's the culture of this entire planet. And right. As we go along, and Star Wars gets older, it diversifies. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think that would have been really cool. That's one of the sad parts about the the Star Wars game 1313 getting canceled because uh, it was based on the underworld of Coruscant mm. where it's not the high up district. It's not, you know, yeah. Jedi Council. It's not the Senate. It's not any... Because you think about it, all the characters that we're following, the whole Star Wars saga, are very elite characters. Right. Well, and I guess for all of the parts of it that just gave me cancer, that was a redeeming factor of the episodes with the uh, those sisters in the last season of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was their name? The... I don't remember. I don't remember their last name. But those sisters, they were super annoying, but it was cool to see kind of the workings of the underworld. Yeah. You, know, you don't see that a whole lot, except for, I guess, in that story arc where... Uh, Plo Koon goes down there or when Ahsoka's mm-hmm. looking for her lightsaber, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's very cool. So Tuscans are that, man. Tuscans are Tuscans are really kind of an embodiment of what Star Wars is about. An entire culture that's just built on nothing. Yeah. Well, and I've been watching a lot of ancient aliens here lately. Mm-hmm. So I Oh, they give off some severe ancient aliens. Yeah, vibes. for sure. They've been around. Yeah. They know what's going on. They've the seen thing, the chariots though. of the gods. Here's the thing is that uh I don't know, Giorgio, or whatever his name is, the guy with the crazy hair that's Oh, like, yeah. Aliens, that guy. Yeah, he's... There were no gods. It was <laughs> aliens. And we've somehow forgotten this. He would be so in place here and be right this time, you know, that... He cracks me up because you said this the other day. Right. It's like, you know, if you're religious or not or whatever, it's mm-hmm. just like... Anything that 99% of the world subscribes to, whether yeah. you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Buddhist or an atheist... There's, hey, well, Christians believe that the Lord God created it, you know, and and then you know you have atheists that it's it's more of a big bang. It's funny because those all are more plausible than no, we were dropped off, we were aliens, kids, and we put us in a daycare by ourselves. Yeah. Then they built the pyramids. Yeah. And he's looking at the camera like. I don't understand what your problem is. Why don't you see this? I just like that he can list two ideas that both seem pretty far out. And he's like, that one's stupid. Everybody knows that. This one is 100% true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because he's like... Two outlandish ideas and one of them somehow makes more sense than the other. Yeah, and the poor person who has to make the graphics to try to... Give a thumbs up to what they're they're saying. The same daggum clip of that (laughs) space cargo, like either taking off or going down. We'll just put it in reverse. Dude, it cracks me up because it's like, now what do the pyramids have to do with the pyramids in South America and Central America? Well, they're all pyramids, so that's something. Uh, They're pretty similar, and it's like. Have you not ever seen buildings? Like, you go to Guadalajara, Mexico. You go to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. You go to Heimburg, Germany. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, buildings are buildings. And then they'll be like, and if you look at the location of the three sets of pyramids that we know the most about, it actually forms an isosceles triangle. And I'm like, any three points on the face of the earth form some kind of a triangle, you dingus. (laughs) They're lines. Like, (laughs) what do you want? But it's so funny because someone in the graphics department at the History Channel is like, God, I gotta make this look like it works. It's just so funny. I could could watch Ancient Aliens forever. Oh, I could talk about it for days. But Tuscans kind of do have that Ancient Aliens vibe of, we were here first, we know the truth, the water, those are our ancestors. You're drinking our ancestors. Uh, but it's very cool because they've transcended. <laughs> what do they sound like when they're angry? They're not. 
<laughs> not angry ever. That's true. Uh, so it's it's cool because they've also transcended. It's basically, a society of Bill Burrs that can't speak. Yeah, they're just muffins. They're just, just all ticked off. All they're the probably time. angry because they've been wearing a mask their entire life. Oh, here we Imagine go. Imagine getting in your car and not taking your mask off. You know, what if it's just all the time? Anyways, don't want to get too political. Uh, but they also show up in Rebels. Very cool. The episode Twin Sons. Yes. They attack. Um, they attack Ezra, and then also anybody else hoping that maybe he died. He killed. <laughs> I thought it was funny that Maul slaughters them. They're like, and he's like, uh, I thought that was cool. I think that was kind of cool because it kind of shows. I don't know. It kind of puts Anakin and Maul like. They all and want it humanizes and, all the Sith that, mm-hmm. like, who among us wouldn't try and kill them? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, they made an appearance in uh, episode five of The Mandalorian. Yes. Questionably my favorite episode, even though a lot of people didn't like it. I loved it mm-hmm. on the trip to Tatooine. Um, I do love that, you know, when you're watching, uh, let's say you're watching a documentary on um, the war between... Native Americans and settlers, or if you're playing, or let's say you're watching, what's which Assassin's Creed is the one where you're playing as Native American? Uh, three. <clears throat> I don't remember what the name I think of it's it Assassin's is. Assassin's Creed Three. But you're playing as what's the character's name? It's a name. Yeah. Anyways, it begins with a letter. But you're playing as an Indian character, and it's very cool because typically, like, you realize that their way of life is much different than a settler's, and it's kind of it's very well. The white man has the gun, but it's like the speed and the, you know, it's uh, the way of the way of war. It's kind of like when, you know, when, when America went to war with Vietnam, it was, you know, all bets were off because they could be in the trees. They could be, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just the way of warfare was so much different. And uh, I really like the, the native. It goes by Connor. There you go. Not a very Native American name. His, he's, he's mixed, though, right? The main character is Ratonahaketon. Yeah, why wouldn't you go by that? Because, you know... <laughs> uh, but I think it's very cool... What's easier to say? I think it's very Take your cool. mat and walk, or your things are freaking... Aw, get out of here. <laughs> I do like that uh, in The Mandalorian, they gave the, the Tuscans that, that native, like, native species vibe, uh, because when... Mando and fake Harrison Ford are looking for their bounty. They turn around and the Tuscans are just like... Mando and Minnesota cuke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they're just standing there. You remember that? They're yeah. like, they're looking in the camera pans and the Tuscans are just like, you know, they're just right there. Oh. Yeah, I like how they just snuck up on them. That was so cool. Uh, and then I loved the freaking sign language. Because yeah, there's obviously a huge language barrier. And I was thinking, oh crap, Mando's going to have to kill these these Tuscans, but it's cool because he shows them respect and they show him respect and the sign language, dude, I was going buck wild. I was on my couch and I was like, do it. You know, it was so cool. And then he gives them the, was it the binoculars? Yeah. He's like, those are brand new. He's like, yeah, they'll like them. Uh, I thought that was cool. And then in the, uh, don't they already have a pair of binoculars all the time? <laughs> Built in binoculars. That's so funny. I, it's weird because George Lucas, is not a fan of Star Wars characters having glasses because it's a scientifically advanced society. But I imagine that those have to enhance their vision somehow, right? Sure. 
I don't know. This decreased as my field of vision. I was about to say, my peripheral vision Gone. has never been better. <laughs> That's why they walk in single file, so they can talk to each other. Right, so they can dag them, have any idea what's going on. Um, but it's really cool because Tuscans have stayed uh, relevant, and there's even a really cool story um, when Marvel started to really take over the comic side of things after the Disney acquisition in 2015. They launched a first long series of Vader comics, and at the end of the first run in 2015, they had their 25th uh, episode, or uh, what do you call that? What do you call a comic when they put them out? Issues. Uh, they had their twenty fifth. They had their twenty fifth issues, <laughs> and they had an epilogue, like an extra, um, an extra story at the end called Coda. And at the end of the very first episode or issue of the Vader comic, he's talking to Boba Fett about finding out the name of the kid who flies the X wing, yeah. and he's like, "Hurry up and find me what I'm looking for because I'm sick of this world." And then the last little picture before the issue ends is uh, my all my business here is concluded. And you find out that while Vader's on Tatooine talking to Boba Fett and Black Kersantan trying to find Luke Skywalker, uh, he just slaughters a random extra village of Tuscans. So when it says... When in when Rome? He's, yeah. <laughs> when he says my business here is concluded, it's just him standing in a village of Tuscans and they're all dead. And so the story at the epilogue of the 25th issue is called Coda... And it's a story of, and I don't know if that's the name of the Tuscan or what, but there's a story of a Tuscan raider who he's the only one that survived that slaughter. And he's running away, he's running for his life, and he comes across a separate village of Tuscans. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but this is the first time that I'm like, there's more than one? Mm -hmm. I just imagine there was a massive amount of Tuscans in one space, but it makes sense that there's multiple tribes. Yeah, especially since they villages. seem to be nomadic. Right. And, uh, yeah, because you see, like, all the banthas moving and sometimes mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, yeah, all their structures look temporary and movable. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool because he runs to them and basically in Burke's beak, he tells them that, uh, you know, he's been attacked. And in the in the pictures, we'll put some of these pictures in the video, uh, but some of the, some of the pictures are he's describing... You know, Vader attacking the village and just looks like an evil spirit. It's very cool because you can see Vader, but it's like how he's recounting it because it's a very scary situation. Um, Did Tusken Raiders evolve from Porgs? No. <laughs> hey, Adam, if you can uh, track our time right now so we can put that picture. Um, <clears throat> so we don't have to squirm back and forth. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a couple of pictures because it's important to put those in there. Um, but basically, they're in awe. And they're, you got to think, from... Attack of the Clones to between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And now after New Hope, they've always been kind of plagued by different versions of a, a, what they call a shaman, which would be, um, you know, a Jedi or in this case a Sith, people who can use the Force and they don't mm. understand that. And so they basically instantly from hearing the story of this, the death and destruction of this village, they give Vader a god, um, they give him a godlike status. And so this poor Tuscan Raider, he's been running for his life <laughs> through the desert all night. Single file. Single file by himself. <laughs> to hide his numbers. Um, and, and so basically he gets there and he's like, yeah, guys, man, you wouldn't believe what happened. And you know what they do? They burn him alive as a sacrifice to their new god, Darth Vader. Under yeah, I want another sacrifice. Under a, a... I don't want another sacrifice. Okay. A, a wooden statue that they've built of Darth Vader based on the description that he gives them. 
and uh, it's just very cool. There's such a such a crazy group of people. Um, <clears throat> but a couple of other stories that they're in uh, that were really really cool that are and obviously canon now are from uh, the 40th anniversary from a certain point of view uh, from A New Hope. If you're mm-hmm. uh, if you're new to Star Wars books. Um, from a certain point of view, I think is, if you've never read a Star Wars book, this would be like a really cool. Yeah, this intro would be a very good intro into Star Wars uh, novels for you. I know um, uh, one because it's short stories; you can pick up and put it down at leisure. Yeah, and it's going to be more familiar. One to of our buddies uh, that's very it. faithful to the channel, Jared Grigg, he was talking about wanting to get into Star Wars stuff or wanting to get into Star Wars audiobooks, um, and so this would be a great one because, like you said, there's different readers, there's different stuff. I'm going to apologize gonna do, in advance about the Clue Horn episode. Yeah, there's an there's a there's a story in there called the Clue Horn Cantina Caper. It, it, it's a, it hurts. If you're not a completist, skip it. I'll just say that. But I had to, but I did not enjoy it. Right. But there are two stories from this uh, collection of 40 short stories to celebrate 40 years of A New Hope. And uh, so the first one is called Rearin. Um, and that's by the author uh, Sabah Tahir, which sounds like a Star Wars character, but that's cool. Um, and it's very interesting because um, Rearin is a Tusken Raider uh, female, young girl, who does not like the concept of they don't let, it's very rare that they let their young women fight, that they let their young women become warriors. Um, it's like almost never heard of. And so to escape kind of her role, the cast, I guess, it's very old school system, um, she makes a deal with a local farmer or whatever, and if she can get onto the Jawa Sandcrawler and steal a precious rock from the Jawas and bring it to him, he'll help her get transportation off-world. Um, my question is, how the freak do they talk to each other? Who? The This young Tuscan lady and, I assume, someone who speaks basic. Oh, maybe. He's trying to make a deal with her, and he's like, I'll be right back. I have diarrhea. Um, but anyways, uh, she makes her way in the cool connection. This is It's interesting because it's a brand new story, right? A lot of these stories plug into, um, you know, the Dianoga or the, like, things that actually happen. And then we tell you about this character backstory. Mm-hmm. The way they tie, they tie her in is she sneaks into... Um, the underside and into the sand crawler that the jaw was driving around and she's looking for a distraction well when r5 implodes and uncle owen's like what are you trying to push on us and the jaw was like b b no like when they are all yelling at each other that's her cue that's her way to get in and the story goes that as she's looking she's drawn to a certain box now you got to remember she's a tuscan so she's lived in complete it's you know it's very similar to you know, when people leave the Amish community and they go into the real world for nine months or a year, however long it is. You ever seen Kingpin? It's basically that. Um, but it's crazy because they're, um, you know, they're exposed to all this stuff that they've never done before growing up. And yeah. so for her, she's never been outside of her tribe. She's never experienced anything outside of her tribe. And so she's, she's never walked side by side with someone. Yeah. Only single file. Dude, imagine holding hands. Her mind would be blown. Uh, but she gets into the sand crawler and this is really strange because she feels drawn to a certain box and as she opens it, she finds a shiny green stone inside. And as you're reading, it's kind of one of those, you tell me 
moments, you know, it's, it's, it's up to the reader. But as you're reading it, it makes it very apparent that she realizes that this isn't a stone. This is a green crystal. And instead of bringing it to the farmer or whoever is going to trade her, she decides she's going to take this for herself. And if she can find a way off world, she will. And if she needs to trade this crystal for it, she will. But she basically decides she wants to make her own way. And here's the thing that's strange to me. I think they're leaning you down the path that it's... She's a little force sensitive. It's a little, she's a little force sensitive. And this is a kyber crystal revealing itself to her. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Pretty cool, pretty cool, all right? You can tell it's an Aspen because the way that it is. You can tell it's an Aspen. Um, and then the second story that's in there, that's in canon now, uh, is... <clears throat> now, this is a huge bridge into the second half of the episode. Um, but it's a story called Rights by John yeah. Jackson Miller. I really liked this one um, just because uh, as um, a guy who took classes on kind of like communal psychology a little bit, Ooh. You talk about, you know, rites of passage that are either explicit yeah. or implicit in society, certain things that someone will do that kind of puts them on a path. So that kind of uh, influence that that has on an individual has always been very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to watch the way that this plays out in the same people culture is just very interesting right. to see, like, what steps they have to take to become a man or to become a warrior mm -hmm. or, you know, to take on the next... A piece of responsibility. Right. Yeah. yeah, so you have a main character in this story called Ekoba. And uh, it's interesting because there's uh, one thing that's cool about the Tuscans is their names always have apostrophes. Mm. So it's like, um, and many times you have a, uh, you have instead of, Okay, so if you're Samuel and you have a son and you want to name him Samuel, he would just be Samuel Jr. or Samuel II, you know, and then you have another one if it was your grandson, he was he would be Samuel III. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that they do that in the Tuscan community is they put the letter A in an apostrophe before that name. So um, there's a character named Yark, and he has a daughter who becomes the Yark. leader of the tribe, and her name is Ayark. Uh, Yark. Yeah, so uh, Ekoba is a, uh, a juvenile uh, Tuscan who's, him and his cousins are trying to uh, go on this rite of passage to become warriors, and their job is they have to kill a young juvenile crate dragon, Pretty cool. um, which is a big, big, big deal uh, on Tatooine. That's the, that's the dominant species, mm -hmm. really. And so they do it. For reference, we see the skeletal remains of a crate dragon in A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is... When R2 and C-3PO are walking and they're trying to get from the crash site of their escape pod and they get picked up by the Jawas or make their way to, um, you know, Luke's place, uh, that giant skeleton, when they left Tunisia in the 70s, uh, they just left that there. And so local Tunisians were like, Jesus, what is this? Like, they didn't know what was going on. They were like, I told you guys there were still dinosaurs here. Um, but... Uh, Young Ekoba defeats and kills a crate dragon. He's kind of the ringleader. It's him and his two cousins, but he's kind of the main guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so he goes to the tribe's leader, whose name is Ayark. Now, that's important. You want to remember that name. Very important name. Very important name. And uh, so Ayark is the tribe's leader. And so Ekoba's like, yeah, you know, we killed this crate dragon. Like, he's really kind of puffing his feathers. Um, and so 
Ayark is like, hey, just so you know, that was a juvenile crate dragon. And you didn't do anything important. Like, kind of putting him in his place, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, we could have killed regular crate dragons if we wanted to. And she was like, first of all, you're an idiot. Secondly, uh, she was saying that when she took over the tribe years and years ago, uh, the tribe was so weak that they had to kill weaker animals as the rite of passage because they couldn't afford for young people not to become warriors. That's how small and how like defeated the tribe was. And she was basically like, don't mess up the name of the tribe. You know, spare yourself. And so Akoba is like, yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna go on a raid. We're gonna whatever. And so it turns out that Akoba and his two cousins are the Tuscans that attack Luke Skywalker. And they're getting ready to go into the desert. And Ayark is like, there's magics out there. You gotta be careful. Uh, there's a shaman. There's this crazy old wizard. He makes loud noises. Yeah. And so as they're, you know, picking over Luke's stuff, they hear this shriek and they turn around and they pee their pants because Ayark's told them there's a shaman out there and he'll get you. And so it's cool because um, that's the story of like kind of learning, you know, your your transformation from youth to adult is about being a warrior, is about strength, but it's also about wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's also about applying the things that you've learned. And uh, and it's cool because John Jackson Miller is a gangster, and he canonizes the character Ayark here, which he wrote for the novel Kenobi. And Ayark is a giant, giant bridge from canon Star Wars to legend Star Wars as a Tusken Raider. Um, some of the most iconic Legends characters are, in the Legends side of things, the the bridge that is to canon is Ayark. And so in 2015 or something like that, uh, maybe 2012, when the Kenobi novel came out, Lucasfilm had already been purchased, but the idea and the green light to make the book had happened before George sold Star Wars. Mm. So the book Kenobi, as soon as it came out, was Legends material which hurts my heart because it's such a good book. Um, And the main, uh, not antagonist, but the main Tuscan character in this story is Ayark. And nobody realizes it's a female because they're Tuscans. Um, But they mention her as being like fear. They basically call her a warlord and she's feared by all the local um, farmers because if you mess with the Tuscans, they're they're not peaceful, but they're not going to mess with you. But if you mess with the Tuscans, you better know that Ayark's coming for you. And the local um, the local humans call her Plug Eye because she has one good eye, and the other, you know, binocular or whatever focal lens or whatever that they have is filled with a red jewel that glints a bright red in the sun. So they call her Plug Eye because she has that eye socket plugged in with a red jewel. Pretty um, And basically, throughout the story of the Book of Kenobi, you realize that the Tuscans are attacking, but they're being pushed into the attack because their land is getting squeezed. And the farmers are going out and attacking them as well. And there's actually a relationship that develops between Kenobi and Ayark, where basically Kenobi's communicating to her, you leave... These, these set of people alone, and I'll keep these other set of people from attacking you. And so there's a cool cohesion there that I like that John Jackson Miller kind of brought back up in yeah. the new canon story, which is, I'm telling you, bro, you go in that desert, there's magics out there that'll get you. It kind of reminds me of uh, James Lucino canonizing some of the things from Plagueis when he wrote... Tarkin. Uh, Tarkin. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Like 114D, he made that canon, so it's like, what's canon, what's legends? Yeah. yeah. 
That's very cool. I would do the exact same thing. It's very uh, – Timothy Zahn does some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Admiral Arlani and stuff that he makes canon. Um, and so it's interesting because Ayark, you know, Plug Eye, mm-hmm. is the bridge between canon and legends because um, in legends material, Ayark has an adopted sister whose name is Kashyyyk, not to be confused with Kashyyyk where the Wookiees live. And uh, Kashyyyk marries a human uh, that he used to be a Jedi – and um, went, he had been, you know, left, he had been put into the Jedi Order by his family. And as things kind of got crazy, he wanted to go visit his family. And when he went to visit them, their entire world had been burned to the ground, his family included. And out of grief, um, he exiled himself from the Jedi Order. And on his travels, he crash lands on Tatooine. And he decides, you know what, there's a group of people out here called the Tuscans. And they live a nomadic life. They live a solitary life. This is where I can focus my energy and I can live out my grief. That character's name is Sherrod Het. And Sherrod Het marries Ayark's adoptive sister, Kay Sheik. And when Sherrod Het and Kay Sheik get married, they have a son named Asherod Het. And Asherod Het, 125 years later is Darth Krayt from the Legacy comic series. So how long do Tuscans live? Well, here's the thing. So Sherrod is a human being, okay? So he's, you know, whatever. He dies in combat. He doesn't die of old age. So when he dies in combat, Aurora Singh actually kills him. And when Aurora Singh kills him, uh, Coyote... How do you feel about Aurora Singh? Uh, not a yeah, fan. I don't really like it that much. Um, but when Coyote Mundi, he's going, because he's hearing Tuskens are, because Sherrod Het leaves, mm-hmm. the, the Jedi, and he's, he's kind of like, I got to figure things out. And so they hear that Tuskens have been just attacking folks and like very organized, not chaotic, not, you know, not necessarily like bar, you know, barbaric or savages, like very, very like, you know, pointed things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like in Rebels, whenever the Rebellion are like, Hey, these attacks have been definitely more precise, and that's yeah. how they introduced Thrawn. So Coyote Mundi goes to Tatooine to talk some sense into Sherrod Het. Well, it turns out some of the violence has been brought on because the Huts uh, want to get, you know, they want to cause infighting between the the settlers and the the Tuscans because it makes better business for them. And so, um, in Legends, Aura Singh is actually a fallen Jedi, and she defeats Sherrod Het in combat. And his last wish is take my son, who's already a teenager, take my son, get him out of here so that he can live a better life. And that's Asherod Het, and he joins the Jedi Order. So technically, Sherrod and Asherod are part of the Tuscan, you know, mm-hmm. creed, kind of to go back to Mandalorian yeah. stuff. Um, but um, they're not, whatever species Tuscans are, the Sherrod Head and Asherod, they're part of the, the group of Tuscans, but if Tuscans are a separate species, they're not that. They're humans. Yeah. So the thing that's crazy about Asherod is he becomes a Jedi, and him and Anakin are good friends. And but because Anakin hates the Tuscans and Asherod is a Tuscan, um, he attacks Asherod Head. Nice. And he's, you know, held back and they never are really friends again. And during Order 66, Asherod Het um escapes and he thinks you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna take up the warlord position that my dad owned on tatooine 
So he returns to Tatooine and uh, he's doing, you know, the same old thing, you know, raiding farms, killing folks for fun. And um, he gets too close to the Lars homestead. And so our boy Obi-Wan Kenobi confronts him and he realizes who he is. And he's like, um, you know, you need to leave. And, you know, Asherod is like, I'm here with my people. He's not going to back down in front of, it's kind of like pre-Vista with Darth Maul. He's not going to just back down in front of everybody and go, you know what? You're probably going to beat me in a fight. Let's just shake hands. So they fight and Obi-Wan cuts off his arm and he says, I won't kill you, but you have to leave this planet. Classic Obi-Wan. He banishes him from Tatooine, which is pretty ballin' because it's like, this is my home now. Yeah. You get out of here. So he he makes Asherod leave. And so Asherod, still filled with anger, still filled with hate, still... He's hurting from his dad's death that was never really settled. Um, I don't think he ever gets to kill or sing. Like, he wants to, but he's held back. Mm-hmm. Um, and attacked by the Jedi, then attacked by the clones, then has his arm cut off by Obi-Wan Kenobi. So he's very, very dejected, very angry. He becomes a bounty hunter. One of his trips takes him to the Sith homeworld of Korriban. And while he's there, this is during the reign of the Empire, he meets a Sith Lord there that's been in hiding. And he turns to the dark side... And he begins his training. Well, sometime in that space, before they attack the New Republic, the Yuzen Vong capture and torture Asherod Het for years. I'm talking 30 years. And by the time he escapes, um, he's been embracing the dark side and the pain. And um, He's been reading the the books of the old ancient Sith and their word itself has been sustaining him. So he loses all track of time. And by the time he gets back to the the real world, per se, it's like 30 years later. So this kid who grew up pre-Clone Wars era has, this is 30 years after Return of the Jedi. So this is, you know, 60 years later. He's, um, he has these, the Yuuzhan Vong believed in, um, they didn't believe in technology. To them, technology was an abomination. And so they had, their weapons were living animals and things like that. And so he has this armor that's over him that's sustaining him. So by the time that he, in the group that he founds called the One Sith, so instead of, you know, two Sith, no more, no less, they're one, there's multiple, there's, there's tens, if not hundreds of them, but they're one group. They're one Sith. That's an order that he begins. And so he fights um, and takes over the galaxy. And this is 127 years later after A New Hope. So he's 200 years old maybe at this point. But he's being kept alive because it's kind of a symbiotic relationship, very much like what Darth Bane went through. Mm -hmm. So the armor is consuming him and killing him, um, but it's also kept him alive for all these years. And um, basically... It takes, um, he's attacked by his own people, of course, typical Sith stuff. Um, But it's just crazy to me because at one point, this guy rules the galaxy, right? At one point, they, nobody knows the one Sith exists because they stay in hiding this whole time. Um, Man, there's just all kinds of stuff in the Legacy of the Force and the Fate of the Jedi series that I need you to read so we can talk about it. But Darth Krayt is always in the background. And at the very end of the Fate of the Jedi series, remember a couple episodes ago when we talked to you guys about the ones, there was the father, the son, and the daughter, and then there was a woman who found her way there somehow, and she became the mother, and she drank from the font of power and all this other stuff at the same time, and she became the entity known as Avaloth, and nobody could defeat her. 
Well, Luke Skywalker was joined by some random guy, random, random, that, that he didn't know, a dark side user. But at that time, it was like, if we don't stop Avaloth, yeah. she's taking over everything. She's going to destroy everything because she feels all that loss. And she wants everybody else to feel the loss that she feels. Um, like Thanos on crack. And so uh, some dark side user that we don't know who he is joins forces with Luke Skywalker to defeat Avaloth. And then he just disappears again. That dark side user yeah, is Darth, Darth Krayt. And it's crazy. There's a there's a vision at the very beginning of the Legacy of the Force series that that Luke is having a vision of a man in dark armor sitting on a throne and he doesn't know who it is. And then you've got Jason Solo who's having similar visions and he's like trying to prevent it. They're both having visions given to them by the Force of the rise of Darth Krayt, but they don't know it. Mm -hmm. And 125 years after A New Hope, you know, probably, you know, 60 years after Luke's dead, uh, his his great-grandson, Kate Skywalker's alive, Darth Krayt finally rises to power. And this is the vision that they've been avoiding. And he's the dark side that Luke joined forces with for a split second to stop Avaloth, and he just leaves. Pretty wild. And so Darth Krayt is his character who lives, you know, hundreds of years. Uh, based on his... Protecting the moisture of the galaxy. Yeah. It's all based on the moisture. So at some point in the Star Wars universe... It's all about the cones. The cones? What's that from? It's a Parks and Rec reference. Oh. It's crazy because at the end of the day, at one point, even though it's Legends, there is a character that rules over the entire galaxy. Which you got to think, the known galaxy and the known republic has been expanded over time. Right. So the largest, that the, the furthest in the future that we get... And the largest, the galaxy, you know, all being one unit, like, for instance, the Chiss are now in the picture and things like that. The largest piece of the galaxy we've ever seen is at one point ruled by a Tusken Raider. Pretty wild. Pretty full circle, huh? This, the earliest danger in the galaxy for our heroes and the, la the latest danger in the galaxy for our heroes, if you're going by that timeline. So it's a pretty full circle thing. I could go on forever about Darth Krayt. He's so freaking cool. He names himself Darth Crate, like a crate dragon. It's pretty raw. And so there it's you like have Batman. it. man. Yeah. He just, he is what he fears. Although crate dragon is much cooler than bats. <laughs> so what if Batman just lived upside down? Uh, anyways. He doesn't. So very, very cool. Tuskens, they permeate <laughs> all the parts of, of the galaxy. They're... Um, one, Eventually, yeah. one small thing that I did wonder about is if there's off-world Jawas, what if this little lady, Ririn, gets off of Tatooine and in the Mandalorian trailer when he's flying by and there's a Tusken on a Bantha, I think he's on Tatooine. But I often wonder if Jawas can make it off-world, can Tuskens make it off-world? I mean, they can. I and, just, I and, just think about and continue their. The thing is, the difference is the tie how, to their way of life. Right. Jawas can exist anywhere. It's not about religion. There's it's not about a stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, about things, dude. Their minds would explode on Coruscant. But then you see, like everything that the Tuskens are about. You know, it's about their religion, mm -hmm. and that's tied to Tatooine almost entirely. So it's kind of weird to. I mean, you get an atheist sand person, maybe he'll move off, you know? <laughs> the water's worthless to me. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Also in sand people culture, you never remove your coverings. Mm. Um, even if you're married to someone, you only like you don't remove your coverings or have any kind of physical contact until marriage. Nice. So you could you could end up with a real Jacob Rachel situation there. The good thing is you can lie to all your friends if your wife is ugly because they're never gonna see her with her her uh, outfit on. <laughs> you're bragging. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching, I was telling you guys before we started recording, I was watching a video here recently just about Tuscans and stuff, they've been on my brain lately, and uh, it's very cool because uh, we were talking about, uh, the guy in the video was like, and his brother, I'm not kidding, <laughs> like, and it puts the, you know, a little picture of the, yeah. you know, the book or whatever on screen, and it's literally like R apostrophe R apostrophe R R R apostrophe R. As the writer, what do you like? Uh, you know, like what are you doing? But uh, very cool. And uh, Tuscans, they they're great for you know they're just been in Star Wars for forever, and uh, it's really interesting because last week me and Skeleton Astronaut were talking about it and. Uh, he ended up doing some cool photography of a Tuscan, and then just recently the Black Series, I got my hands on some Black Series Tuscans and did some photography of them, and so it's very cool. They're, they're a staple, I would say, in the Star Wars community. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's really wild how much of a staple they are when you come just to species. Yeah. You have humans, um, but think about this. Like, other than Chewbacca, like, Tuscans are bigger than the Wookiees. Think about that. What do you think? Um, I would say so until we got to the prequels, because the, they play such an influential role in episode three, especially. Yeah, you but... Know, but it, you don't ever see the Wookiees as a society until then. You yeah. Know I mean, so yeah. I think that but the even idea still, of a society like, plays a bigger role than the idea of an individual. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, like, Chewbacca is more famous than any, any uh, Tuscan, but if you right. take Chewbacca out of the picture, okay, take him out of the picture, and... The Tuscans in Episode Two are a bigger deal but than the just, Wookiees in Episode just Three. Let me ask you this, okay? What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say the dead comment. It's um, a good point. It's yeah, memes wise, the Wookiees have the favor. Um, but other like you got humans, you have and the favor of Kiati Mundi, who was also the guy who went to talk about to Shroudhead, yeah, to Shroudhead. So, yeah. dude, they have a cool. When all that's concerned, who's Kiati Mundi more concerned about? I rest my case, the Wookiees. Yeah, but Kiati Mundi was a schmuck. At the end of the day, he was trying to rally his troops. Uh, oh, dude, there was someone the other day. There was it was a it was a poll that was like who would win in a fight, and it was it was like uh, Savage Opress or Kiati Mundi. I think Kiati Mundi. And I was like, his lunch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a Jedi master. When you watch Order 66, you watch all these guys get pwned. He, hey, 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 he holds his own say, for a good second. He gets it's a while. thrashed like, in a minute, but he, he's alive also, for quite a while. Yeah, I would also like to point out that when you're When's playing... When's the last time you had 25 people shooting at you at point-blank range? Yeah, you know what we need to do? All you guys who don't think Caddy Mundy's anything, you know what? Let's just go to a local gym, and I'll get me and 20 of my closest friends to grab a bag of dodgeballs, and we'll see how long you last. You stand in one place with a stick. We'll even give you a little, a little gaffy stick. Um, but it's interesting, because, uh, it's interesting because it's interesting because man, frick, I forgot my point. We were talking good, about dodgeballs. Good, good, good. good. Dadgummit. But yeah, Caddy Mundy's such a cool character. Hey, let's talk about that for a second. What? So, 
Patches O'Houlihan says you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, right? Okay. But Luke does not dodge a wrench in A New Hope. And yet, he still dodges some blaster bolts. Uh-huh. So, can you dodge a ball without being able to dodge a wrench? I think that the idea is if you can dodge a wrench, which is much smaller and much faster, dodging a ball comes easy. So, yes, right. I think that but you then, can dodge a ball then, and not dodge a wrench. But <laughs> you're thinking of an argument as you go right now. But hear me out. Hear me out. Listen, listen. Okay, go ahead. Luke doesn't dodge the wrench. What are you talking Was about? Was Luke even force sensitive? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about when he's getting effed to death with that gaffy stick, bro. Are you talking about it? Uh, a new hope? Yeah, man. He gets fricked to death, bro. Oh, They're dude. dragging him by the foot through the sand. Is he even force aware? Okay, yeah. But Let's think talk about, about it. Darth Bane before he's like. Okay, crazy. but the context is that that scene with Luke in it was filmed in 1976 versus. A new story being written in the early 2000s for yeah, Darth Bane. but still, he's supposed to be like the goat Jedi. No, he's not he's supposed like, to be. He for sure is. And then, you know, he just gets shrecked by some sand people. What did you want? Did you want him to shock him to death? Yes. <laughs> oh, we're getting out of hand here. But Tuscans. So, by the way, do yourself a favor. There's a video. It's got 153,000. This views is a good way to end the video. Called "I Love Sand People War Cry" or "I Love Tuscan Raider War Yell," something like that. Let me look. Let me look at that. All right, I love the Tuscan Raider battle cry. In parentheses, ten hours. It's ten hours and one second long. And, and you he, might ask yourself, who listened to that for ten hours? Not in. The answer is 153,000 people. 153,000 views. And even if it's just 10 people that really like it, they've listened to it 15,000 times each. So it's a win-win for this guy who's made the video. Oh, man. Tuscans are so cool. I really would love to see... I'm excited to see more Tuscans in Mandalorian Season 2. Um, man, I just... I know that there's probably not enough there to do a whole series or anything like that on the Tuscans. But I would like, I don't know. There's enough there. For a series? Yeah. I don't know. It would be cool. I would be in favor of it. I, they, they really catch my eye. Like when I'm scrolling through Instagram. Supernatural's been going for like 25 seasons, all right? They're running on fumes for the last half of them. Oh. There's enough there for one short series of Tusken Raiders. Maybe that's what it'll be in even, Kenobi. Even if it was just like a societal thing like we're talking about in rights. Think about this. You know what I mean? Think about this. Follow the life of one young Tuscan trying yeah. to make his way. Let's, just let's, a simple man trying to think make his about way this. in the universe. How, if you're John Jackson Miller, and you've written some Star Wars books, and you've got Kenobi, the book, and you introduce a character named Ayark, and they're like, yeah, but that doesn't count, that's not canon. And you bring her back in to canon with a short story from a certain point of view, and the way that he writes that character from the short story appears that she's one of the Tuscans that is watching from a distance in A New Hope. So now your character is not just canon, but your character that you've written is now in A New Hope retroactively. And then just imagine if she is in the Kenobi series and a Tuscan walks up and has that red jewel in one eye. That'd be cool. Be cool. I dare say the shirt could come off, which is my promise every single time something like that happens. 
you guys have been biding your time so far. Nothing's happened yet. <laughs> My shirts had to come off. I did take a picture of that one time that both that was confirmed for the Mandalorian, but very cool stuff. I'm excited to see them in Mandalorian season two, and I know we're going to get a lot of them in the Kenobi series. Mm -hmm. And even though it's only going to be four to six parts, that's still four to six hours of material. And while dare I say it's never enough, I am looking forward to four to six hours of my boy Ewan. Oh yeah, yeah, I could watch a, a Ewan show like that. Um, if anybody that's watching this has an Apple TV login they want to share oh, with yeah. me, I, I really want to watch Long Way Up. Long Way Up the new Ewan McGregor, and they added the other two series oh, to Apple TV. Very good. Long Way Round, Long Way Down. I guess it's down, but it's down under. And Long Way Up from South America. It's all very good. They're new with electric motorcycles this time, mm. which is kind of a PC move. Very but progressive. it seems like it would, I think it would make it harder, which is what I'm here for. I'm here for struggle. I want to see them really I think try. my favorite thing about Long Way Round was that they had their film guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ewan and his buddy, I can never remember that guy's name. Charlie. Charlie. Are, you know, on these, like, specially selected motorcycles. They've got all the gear, and they're having all yeah, this trouble getting BM through. BMWs, yeah. They're getting through this material, and then you got the film guy. He's on this little moped, and he's just cruising through, just like one he bought in a village somewhere, and he's just all the way around the world, man. Yeah. I freaking love that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I would keep that thing forever. Yeah. So cool. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stuff like this really gets us gets us going. Little crap like this. Tuscan Raiders, man, they do it for me. Um, and so, like I said before, please, if you're watching this on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this video, click the notification bell so you see when we put stuff out. I'm thinking when Mando comes out, we might have to do some double time and put out some bonus stuff. Because I can't just sit around for the whole season and just talk about it once. I'm going to be fiending every week, but I don't want to make that the episode every week. Yeah. So that means yeah. my wife's going to be mad at me for eight weeks. <laughs> now she'll be fine. Uh, but if you're watching this, like I said, like, subscribe, share, and click the notification bell. If you're watching or listening on Spotify, uh, share it with your friends. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and leave us a five-star rating. Nothing less, please. And uh, like I said before, if you're going to write something, please make it something we can read on the air. Uh, nothing crazy or strange. Thank you guys so much. May the force be with you. And, uh, you know, even if it's a Dances with Wolves type Sherrod Het scenario where you're the outsider. I'm always wondering how he's going to bring this in. Uh, you can just count on the fact that... Rest uh, assured. The only fab you have here is me. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>